Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. Happy Palm Sunday, everyone. Let's begin by going directly to the Palm Sunday story as presented in the Gospel according to Matthew. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and, and, and grab your Bible. Uh, turn to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. Uh, the Bible split up into two, two halves, you could say, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. You can turn to Matthew chapter 21, and we are going to take a look at verses 1 through 11. So in context, we're somewhere uh, in the AD 30s. Pontius Pilate is the Roman governor of the province of Judea. Uh, Jerusalem, the city, is packed full of people. Um, people are there. They are preparing for Passover festival, Passover celebration. And so Palm Sunday, as we call it uh, today, uh, it, it marks Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And so it's the first day of Holy, Holy Week, or some people like to call it Passion Week. Palm Sunday really kicks us off. Uh, into gear with with Holy Week. And so between now and next Sunday, between now and Easter Sunday, we are observing Jesus's passion story. Our word passion comes from a Latin word that means suffering. Okay, and so we have an opportunity to to track with Jesus, to walk through Jesus's story, his passion story, his passion week. Uh, and so today we start with Palm Sunday, uh, and, and I encourage you, you are encouraged to, to trace out his journey as found in the gospel accounts where he willingly heads towards uh, the agonizing and lowly death of the cross. And ultimately, there we see Jesus uh, settling our sin debt. He uh, everything that was condemned against us was taken away. Uh, Jesus made salvation, human salvation, possible. Jesus provided us a way to to be back in touch with God the Father, to be spiritually free. Uh, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, today is Palm Sunday, the day Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. So, without further ado, let's read it from Matthew chapter twenty-one. I'm reading from the Holman Christian Standard Bible uh, today, Matthew 21, 1 to 11 here. When they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus then sent two disciples, telling them, Go into the village ahead of you. At once you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you should say that the Lord needs them, and immediately he will send them. This took place so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. Tell daughter Zion, look, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus directed them. They, they brought the donkey and the colt, then they laid their robes on them, and he, he, he sat on them. 
a large crowd spread their robes on the on the road. Others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. Then the crowds who went ahead of him and those who followed kept shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. He who comes in the name of the Lord is the blessed one. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was shaken, saying, Who is this? And the crowds kept saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. So there we go. That's the Palm Sunday story uh, from Matthew's Gospel account. So for starters, uh, this story does fulfill Isaiah 62, 11 and Zechariah 9, 9. Uh, a long time ago, before Jesus was born, these prophets had a vision of their Messiah riding victoriously on a donkey. And now, uh, the, the, the Messiah figure, you need, to, you need to know that the Messiah figure is indeed a royal figure. And what's odd here is that, you know, kings ride horses, not donkeys, but nevertheless, Jesus comes riding into town on a young donkey. And this represents humility. This represents gentleness here. And according to, to Matthew, Jesus, he, he departs from Bethphage uh, on, on the Mount of Olives. And, and he's riding on a donkey that he, you know, he had his disciples obtain and, and all of that. Uh, and as Jesus is coming into the city, it was indeed triumphal. And the city is actually experiencing just mixed emotions about all of this. Some people are just so excited for Jesus to arrive. And, and the crowds, you know, they're, they're putting out the welcome mat for Jesus. They're throwing their, their cloaks on the road. Some translations say they're throwing their clothes on their robes. We're just talking about their, their outer garments. You know, they, they weren't, yeah. Um, they were throwing their cloaks on the road. Uh, and they're also cutting branches from the trees, okay? And, and they're spreading them out on the, the road. Uh, they're waving them in their hands. This is why we call it Palm Sunday. But if you notice there in, uh, in verse 10, Matthew says that the city was, was shaken. The city was in turmoil. Okay, there was definitely something going on in the city. And many people asked that day, they said, who is this? Who is this? And this is actually one of my favorite questions in the Bible. It's a great question because it has the best answer. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. Verse 11 says, uh, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. The prophet Jesus. You might recall the, the story after Jesus fed the 5,000 plus uh, in John six fifteen. The crowd said, this truly is the prophet who has come to come into the world. The crowds have been pointing to Jesus. This is the prophet who is to come into the world. Now, what exactly are they talking about? Well, you see, a long, long time ago in Deuteronomy 18.15, Deuteronomy 18.15 talks about God raising up a prophet. Okay, there's supposed to be a prophet who is to come into the world. And guess what? Actually, um, in Acts 7, a, a Jesus disciple named Stephen, 
he's the one who kind of puts it all together and he's like, hey, Deuteronomy 18's prophet is indeed the Messiah. The Messiah is indeed Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah, this royal kingly anointed one, the prophet, prophet with a capital P, Jesus of Nazareth, the prophet from, from Galilee. And this is meaningful. It is meaningful that the crowd identified Jesus as a prophet. And what's really interesting is that shortly after Palm Sunday, when we, when we turn to Matthew chapter 23, Jesus cries over Jerusalem. Okay, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. Jerusalem is the city that murders prophets, okay? Who is this? This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. And he's coming in to Jerusalem. And as we find out, it's the city that kills prophets. Now, on Palm Sunday, many people were super excited about this, you know, Jesus is coming into town. Many people are waving their palm branches. Palm branches represent victory. Palms are abundant in the area. They could have easily, you know, cut down a few uh, branches and, and they're waving the branches around. And along with the branches, the crowd is also honoring Jesus vocally. Matthew 21, verse 9, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And so now let's just take a look at this word, Hosanna. Do you know what the word Hosanna means? Okay, uh, in the chat box, go ahead, um, if you're able to, to do that here. Uh, what do you think the word Hosanna means? Matthew, he, he wrote this gospel account in common Greek, right? Okay. But interestingly, uh, he took this Aramaic word, Hosanna, uh, and, and he, doesn't, he doesn't translate it, okay? Matthew basically spells an Aramaic word in Greek letters, and then we, in turn, spell that Greek word with English letters. This is called transliteration, all right? Uh, where where the, the interpretation and translation process uh, kind of gets skipped over. And, and yeah, we're, we're just spelling like a Greek word in English letters, okay? And so um, we do have to assume that Matthew's audience, that, you know, the people who would have read his, his gospel account, they most likely knew what the word meant. And they probably understood what Hosanna, um, what it meant and, and you know, how, how it's being used. They, they probably understood all of that. Hosanna is kind of like saying, save now, or help now. A church theologian who lived a long, long time ago, Augustine of, of Hippo, he, he referred to Hosanna as an expression of supplication. Okay, it's, it's like a prayer request. Like, like it is a, an, a, an emotional expression. It's a form of asking God for help. Hosanna, help. Hosanna, save. Okay, one encyclopedia says it's sort of like saying hurrah in a way. Like, like Hosanna is a word that carries emotion, expression. Hooray! Hosanna! Like, like there's a, 
you almost have to jump a little bit to, to say it correctly, right? You have to put a bounce in your voice. You have to feel it in your lungs a little bit. Hosanna, Hosanna, save, save now, help now. A similar word is used in 2 Samuel 14, and we don't have time to hash out the story this morning, but a woman from Tekoa pretending to be grieving, uh, a grieving widow, she goes before King David, she falls on her face, and she cries out, help, O king. And this expression of Hosanna, it does make more sense when we place it in context of who we are speaking to. Hosanna is an address to the king. It's like, it's like if, we were, if we were to say Hosanna, it's like saying to the king, King, help. Save now, O king. Jumping to Psalm 118, Psalm 118 uh, also helps frame up our understanding of how the word Hosanna uh, is used and what it means. Psalm 18 is a psalm of victory and thanksgiving. In Psalm 118, verse 25, there is a petition to God. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. He who comes in the name of the Lord is blessed. Baked in, baked into Israel's worship life is an expression of singing to God and looking and asking for deliverance, for victorious breakthrough. And God is going to bring ultimate deliverance through the Messiah figure. The prophet who is to come into the world, the son of David, from the royal line of David, this kingly anointed one, God's Messiah, God is going to bring deliverance through the Messiah. Now let's get back to Matthew 21. Check out verse 9. It says, The crowds went ahead of him, and those who followed behind, they shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When they say Hosanna to the Son of David, there is a recognition here. Jesus is God's Messiah. Jesus comes from the line of David. He, he you know, checked that box. Jesus qualifies here. He, he is related to David. There is a recognition of Jesus as God's Messiah. There, the, the crowds, at least some of the crowds, have a clarity, a little bit of clarity. They're framing up Jesus as God's Messiah, the kingly anointed deliverer. But, but what kind of Messiah do they have in mind? All right. We have to ask these kinds of questions. Was this Jesus some sort of military or political Messiah? On Palm Sunday, was, uh, what was in their messianic imagination? Was this prophet from Nazareth and Galilee going to overthrow Pontius Pilate? You know, we, we have to think, you know, were there people in the crowd that day? Did they have a vision? Of this of a of a messianic shaped moment here where where maybe this Jesus is going to overthrow Rome. As they're waving their victory palm branches around, they're also singing out Hosanna in the highest heaven. And personally, I I find this phrase 
Hosanna in the highest heaven. I find that as a difficult statement because we don't really talk like this anymore. But my, my guess is, you know, they're invoking, they're appealing uh, to heaven from, from deep heaven. There's a sense of like, okay, out there, like in the deepest part of heaven, whatever that means, they're calling for heavenly actions to fulfill heavenly purposes. Like, let the salvation song be sung in heaven. Hosanna in the highest heaven. God save in the highest heaven. Now, kind of like putting all of this together, we realize that sometimes we can say the same words, but different people have different understandings. Many scholars and theologians, historians, they like to point out that a lot of people that day were, they were looking for a political Messiah. Now, some people did grasp Jesus's parables and teachings and but many, many more. They just didn't understand the kind of kingdom Jesus was ushering in. And let's be real. Today as well, we struggle with understanding Jesus's kingdom. What we do know, Jesus said no to turning his kingdom into a political program. In Matthew 4, in the wilds, when Jesus was being tempted by the devil, the devil took Jesus to a high mountain and showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor. All the kingdoms and all these governments can be yours, Jesus, if you just fall down and worship me. And Jesus says, no, no, go away, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And now, uh, a few days after Palm Sunday, Jesus is going to be standing before Pontius Pilate. In John 18, Jesus, again, he sheds the political program. Again, he, he blocks it. He is not going to be a political revolutionary the way that some people want him to be. And Jesus, you know, he, he doesn't want Pilate's job. Jesus doesn't want to be prime minister or president. Jesus isn't for that. Jesus has something else in mind. In their book, Jesus Manifesto, Sweet and Viola, they, they point out, Jesus didn't choose the primacy of powers of religion and politics or the powers of the individual. He chose a third way. His indwelling presence experienced and displayed through a community of followers who embody the kingdom of God in their corporate life together. And so Jesus, he shakes the enticement of being a political Messiah again. John 18, 36, Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. I am doing something new. Jesus didn't overthrow the Roman oppressors. He didn't kick out the military occupants there in Judea. He was interested in something different. He was interested in forming a new humanity. Sweet and Viola, they go on to write, while Jesus wasn't political in the modern sense of the word, he was political in this sense. Christ was the beginning of the change of the world 
he inaugurated a new creation. At the cross and then verified, you know, three days later with the empty tomb, we do find the beginnings of God's new world. A new humanity, a new family, the church. And this new family is is called to pray for the kingdom to come and God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. The church, the new family that is formed around Jesus. And it's wild. Church is wild. You guys know that church is a wild thing. It's a wild organism. The community of faith embodies a new order of things, but also it's taking place right in the middle of the old order of things. Jesus created a new family, and he is showing us how to be human. He is showing us how to be human again. Did Jesus answer our cry for Hosanna? The answer is yes. It is a big yes. Jesus did come and save. He came and saved us at our biggest and deepest point of need. Hosanna, because Jesus saves people from their sins. Matthew one twenty one. Hosanna, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. Luke 19.10. Hosanna, Jesus has conquered the world. John 16.33. Hosanna, God gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15.57. Hosanna, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, Philippians 3.20. Hosanna, Jesus triumphantly came, and he triumphantly saves, and he instituted a new family in this world, and with this new family, this victory family, this resurrection family, with this new body of believers, he doesn't give them a government, he doesn't give them a seminary, a lecture. Jesus didn't write a book, okay? Jesus, he gives them a meal. A meal that points to his good saving work. So now let's turn to Matthew 26. Jesus is enjoying his Passover meal with his disciples. As they were eating, Jesus took bread. He he broke it. He blessed it and broke it. And he gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup. And after that, he, he he gave thanks and he gave it to them and said, drink from it. All of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. But I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And now this morning, we are going to partake in a family-style online communion. We are the family of God that that Jesus formed, that, that Jesus ushered in 
a new family that is wrapped up around the saving grace of Jesus Christ. If you are a believer in Christ and you feel comfortable in participating in online communion, if you are a believer in Christ, you are, you are invited to partake. Communion is, is a way to remember the, the life and death of Jesus. So if you have your, your bread around, your crackers, your, your English muffin, your bagel, uh, something to represent bread. It's, it's, it's a symbol. Okay, it's a symbol. The bread is a symbol of sustenance. Jesus' body was, was broken for you. Jesus, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. His body was broken for you. And the cup that you have, is it, is it coffee, juice, whatever it is today? Again, it's just a symbol. The cup, you know, the, the new family, the, the new covenant that was sealed by his, by his blood. That's what that represents. The body, the blood. The body, the blood. And now I just invite you to think about the story. Think about the cross. Think about the meaning of the symbols that you have before you. I want you to think about a moment in your life where Jesus was your hero. Think about the grace and mercy of Jesus. Church, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we ask that you would honor this, this time and space with you this morning as we come to your table through this online church. We're gathered at your table and you have plenty of seats for us and we thank you for that. And God, we recognize that we don't come to this table in our own strength and merit. It is all because of you. It is what you have done for us. It is, it is Jesus' righteousness that allows us to come close. It is your grace and your mercy. And so God, as we come before you, we confess our sins. We confess that we have, we have a record. We have debt. We have a long list, but we thank you so much that there is a washing, that there is a cleansing, that there is acquittal. And we come before you, God. We give our, our dirt over to you, our dirty rags, our filth, our brokenness. We give it over to you, Lord. We thank you for the cross and the empty tomb. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Clean us up, Lord. Wash us anew. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. May we be your empowered people who continue on to, to spread the good news 
of who you are and what you have done. Help us to have a vision of of continuing to expand the family of God. Help us to live for the other. Expand our love. Expand our tent, Lord. But first, we love on you, God. We ask for forgiveness. Make us new. We remember what you have done for us. We remember, Lord. We remember and we belong to you and we belong to each other. And we thank you so much for that, Lord. Thank you, God. In your name we pray, amen. If you have your bread, Jesus said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in memory of me. You may eat your 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 bread element. And then Jesus took the cup. In the same way, he said, uh, this is the cup of the new covenant, sealed by my blood. Whenever you drink this, do this in memory of me. You may partake. you have any questions about today's story, about Jesus, if you're wondering more about the implications of Good Friday and Easter, and um, it, you know, if you, uh, if you've never, if you don't know what it means to have Jesus as your hero, we would love to, to talk to you. We'd love to connect with you. Um, we want to hear from you. Um, we want to wrestle alongside of with you. You know, we all have questions. We're all uh, kicking things around. Uh, uh, we are here for you as a church. Please don't hesitate to, to reach out to the church. Uh, we would love to connect with you. And now PMC Beyond, as we go to our closing song, it's called Hosanna. Praise is rising. Uh, wherever you are at, shout it out, sing along. Hosanna, Hosanna, praise is rising.